going to continue in our series that we started, uh, actually, I think we started this on New Year's Eve, um, The Messenger, which this is week three of our series, and uh, this series is all about the life of Paul. And so if you've got your bulletin, there's some notes. If you're a note taker, I put a note sheet in there for you this week, so you're all excited, you can write stuff. I don't always do that, but today we're going to continue in that series that we started a few weeks ago. And... Uh, I know that some of you were not here, been out of town and all those stuff, and so I just kind of wanted to quickly recap where we've been. Um, This series is about Paul. Um, He is responsible, um, through the Holy Spirit, for much of the New Testament. And so what I said is, let's look at his life. Let's look at uh, what he was like and and how he was brought up and, and the ministry that he started and the churches that he planted and things like that. And so that's what we're doing in this series. We're looking at the life of Paul, and it really is kind of continuation of our Acts series that we finished up like in October um, or whatever. But in week one of this series, what we did is we looked at the background of Paul, like how he was raised and where he went to school and what toys he played with. You know what I mean? Like we looked at his, at, at his childhood and his upbringing and how he was trained and what he was prepared to do. And we, we said that he was really being trained to be the super Jew, right? Like the super Jew. Um, that he was all about becoming what he could. And his family was all about investing in his future to become like really important in the Jewish community. And we see that ultimately he, he rose in the ranks to becoming uh, a Christian bounty hunter. He was an extreme dude. He was going, like he, he rose to the, to the top of the, of the food chain there, or whatever you want to call it, of the, of the, of the church, and said, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep the Jewish faith from dying out. And these Christians over here, they're killing us. Right? They're not literally killing us. They're, like, you know, they're taking all of our members, all of our people from us. This Jesus movement is really going. It's, it's taking off. And so he gets letters, and he gets letters from... Uh, of the, the, the officials of this time and he starts to go arrest these Christians and he hunts them down like a bounty hunter. Some of them end up dying. We read the story. We read the story in Acts about Stephen who gave his life and Paul was right there. He was right in the middle of it. And so his objective from childhood, he was trained for this moment to go and hunt down these Christians. And then in week two of our series, we, we found out that here, this Christian bounty hunter, Paul, this man who's all about destroying the, the way, which is what it was called, the Christianity, becomes a Christian himself. Jesus, on a desert road, encounters him and says, Paul, you're going to be different. I'm going to change you. And Paul's going in this direction, and Jesus blinds him, literally blinds him, incapacitates him, and says, now you're going to start. Instead of hunting me, you're going to start working for me. You're going to start preaching for me. You're going to start following me instead of hunting me. And Paul becomes a Christian. And his life changes dramatically. And we, we saw that in week two. We looked at that encounter between he and Jesus and all the different things that surrounded it. It changed his life. and He became saved. He repented of his sin, was baptized, and began following the Savior. What we're going to do today is continue right where we picked up last or two weeks ago in verse 19, and, and, and maybe the title of today's message would be like the beginning, the beginning of Paul's ministry. It starts in verse 19 of Acts chapter 9, so 
I've got the text up on the screen. This is the exact verse that we ended with last time. We ended with 19. said, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Saul is Paul. We talked about it in week one. If you need to go back and hear that, it's the same dude. Uh, eventually, he starts changing his name later on in Acts. But it says this, So Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. So this is after he'd been saved. After he'd been transformed. He's, he sees Jesus on the road and boom, he's changed. He's transformed. He repents, which is to turn around and start living another way. He starts living for Jesus and it says this. It says he stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. So now, he had gone to Damascus to arrest, torture, kill believers, and now he's one of them and he's staying with them. This is crazy. This is bold. It says this, verse 20, and immediately, I love that word, immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. This is a bold, bold move for Paul. Just days before, he's killing people who said these words. And he himself is saying these words now. He's after them. He's trying to stop the spread of Jesus being the Son of God news. Right? Like, he's trying to stop that news and here he is four days later preaching this in the synagogues. This is crazy. Verse 21. And of course, this is what happened. And all who heard him were amazed. They're amazed. They're like, what's going on? Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? They're like, What's going on with this guy? Isn't this the this is the same guy, right? This is the same guy who was on his way here to arrest us and kill us, and here he is with us preaching Jesus. They're like, "What's up? Is he a spy?" Like, imagine, just imagine for your just you know, like in your context, like your worst enemy, you know, whatever. I don't know who's who the Vikings playing today. Who are they playing? The Eagles. Imagine someone from the Eagles, right? Walks into the locker room of the Vikings and say, I'm going to play for you guys today. You think they'd be having that? No, right? That's really what's happening here. Paul has changed sides. He's changed teams. And he's saying, listen, I'm going to come on and be on your team. And they're like, I don't know, man. I don't know. You have papers to murder us if you'd like to. We're not so cool with you being around it. Do you know what I mean? Like, we would all feel uncomfortable in this situation. But, it says, he continues on. Verse 22. And Saul's preaching, preaching for Jesus, right? His preaching for Jesus became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So he had spent all of his life learning the Old Testament. We said in week one that Paul probably had most, if not all, of the Old Testament memorized. Imagine that. Memorized. Knew all the prophecies. Knew all of those things. Knew all the stuff about the Messiah. And he used those details previously to say, I know it all, people. Jesus isn't the Messiah. And now he's saying, I know it all, people. Jesus is the Messiah. And would use these prophecies and these texts to prove it to them. It says so that they couldn't even dispute it. 
It was an open and shut case, which if you look at the prophecies, it is. So, 23, after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They're like, this is how they responded. Back. Like, this is what he would have done, right? If he couldn't argue with this person enough in his, in his B.C. days, four or five days before, if he couldn't have argued through him, he'd just kill him. And that's what they plot to do. It says they plot to kill him because they can't argue with him. He's being led by the Holy Spirit. They can't refute him. So what do they do? They go and try to kill him. Verse 24, they were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. And so during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Crazy escape. Basket, right? Down and he's out. So where does he go? We see that in verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, so he runs to Jerusalem. Which is not like just, you know, a hot skip and a jump. This is is a trip. So when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried again, tries to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Makes sense. I mean, I would be too, right? I would be too. They didn't believe that he had truly become a believer. Do you blame them? I don't blame them at all. I don't blame them one bit. They didn't believe him. And then... Barnabas, verse 27. And then Barnabas. Remember Barnabas? Do you remember what Barnabas' name means? Son of what? Who remembers? Son of encouragement. We talked about that a couple months ago. Son of encouragement. Listen, if... Like if it weren't... I know, if it weren't for Barnabas, we wouldn't be here today. And I know, well, if it weren't for my great-granddaddy, I wouldn't be... Like, I get that. But like, Barnabas is like the unsung hero of the New Testament. Because without Barnabas coming along and encouraging the believers and grabbing Paul, we're going to see this probably next week or two, two weeks, three, I don't know, four weeks from now. Anyway, we're going to get to it. Paul and Barnabas start working together and they're spreading the gospel and they're doing these things together. Barnabas had a huge play in the spreading of the gospel. And here it is. The believers do not believe that Paul is a true convert. They believe he's a spy. And I would too. But then Barnabas brought him, Paul, to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Now the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Barnabas vouches for Paul. He says, no, man, it's legit. He's, he's the real deal. Right? He, he's part of us now. I can only imagine the conversations that happened behind closed doors with Barnabas and the apostles. Like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Think about that for a minute. Verse 28. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him too. Like, any time Paul goes up against someone, they try to murder him. Because they could not refute his theology. They couldn't refute what he was saying about Jesus. And he had a story to tell. Like he, His story was convincing. Listen, guys, I was right where you were at. I didn't believe in Jesus, but He is real. And I was killing Christians, and now I'm part of them. I mean, this is a convincing story. They couldn't, they couldn't deal with it, and so they say, well, we've got to murder that dude. We've got to get rid of him. Which is what he was trying to do. 
before. Verse 30. When the believers heard about this, so these Greek-speaking Jews trying to kill him, people in Damascus trying to kill him, when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his home town. Now, i got a map up here I want to show you just really quick. Um, so, we said, if you remember in the very beginning, our first message, we said Saul of what? Where was he from? Saul of Tarsus. So, Saul was born in Tarsus, probably lived there just a few years, and then Mama and Daddy got all their money together, and they moved where? We talked about this. They moved to Jerusalem, right? Because they wanted their son to become super Jew. And so they moved to Jerusalem. Like This is like where if you're going to uh, become a country singer, where do you move? Nashville. You want to become an actor, where do you move? Like This is the same thing. You want to become super Jew, you move to Jerusalem. Right? So mom and daddy, they put him under the teaching of Gamaliel, this, this great respected teacher, and he's in Jerusalem. So it's like sending your kid to Harvard or, you know, whatever. This is like big leagues. So they moved to Jerusalem and Paul's living there. And he's about 30 years old and he starts hunting down Christians in where? Where, does, where did he go? He went to what? Damascus, which is here. So he goes to Damascus. Jesus encounters him on the, on the road there. He's changed from the inside out. And then it says he starts preaching Jesus. And then they want to kill him, and so he goes where? Back down to Jerusalem. And he's preaching Jesus. And they want to kill him there. And so then this text says that they take him to Caesarea, which is right on the coast. And they send him back where? To Tarsus, which is where he was originally from. In a few weeks, we're going to look at Acts chapter 11 and see that Barnabas again, uh, they're in Antioch up here. Barnabas, the church hears about these non-Jews hearing the gospel and responding, and they send Barnabas from Jerusalem up to Antioch, and he's like, "I need to go get Paul." And so, and so, so Barnabas goes over to Tarsus, gets Paul, brings him to Antioch, and then the gospel really blows up, and all these churches start going, and Paul and Barnabas take off from there and kind of cover this whole area. You guys see? Look at these. Does this? Word, sound familiar to you? Philippi, sound like any book of the Bible? What about Thessalonica? What about Corinth? Right, they did this. They, woo, all the way around. Ephesus here. They were all over here on these missionary journeys being sent from Antioch. So this kind of a map gives you an idea of where he was in the beginning of his life. First 30, 35 years, something like that of his life and how it all interconnects. Verse 31, we're going to end with this. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, oh, Galilee, Galilee and Samaria. So that's all this. Oh, I'm going to go back. So that's all this there. It's peace all throughout here. All throughout this region right here. All of it. So there was peace in that region. And it became stronger. The church became stronger as believers lived in fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Sorry, starting to get 
the room's spinning a little bit. So, okay. <laughs> that happens to me once in a while. The room starts going spinning. Does that ever happen to you, or am I just old and weird? Yeah, I'm old and weird, I know. Uh, anyway, if I go down, hey, you got to step in, you got the same shirt. We talked about this earlier. If I ever go down, you're gonna, we're twinsies today. Um, just pick it up and start reading. Um, so anyway, today what we're going to do is what I said, okay, we're going to look at this text. We're going to look at what Paul did kind of the beginning of his ministry here. As I was looking at this text, I really kind of focused at the beginning section of it. And as I was looking at it this week, I really thought that like, man, there, there's something to say here about what Paul did. It says he immediately started preaching Jesus to people, immediately started sharing his faith. And so that's what we're going to do today. If you've got your bulletin, you see there, there's an acronym called SHARE. There's uh, acronym is, you know, S-H-A-R-E. We're going to look at each of those little things really quickly um, this morning. And what I want for us to do is, as we look at, the, at this text, we can see how Paul kind of gives, or the text gives us a blueprint of how we can do like Paul and share our faith with people. I mean, he did this immediately. This was not like, okay, wait till you train and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it says that he immediately, when he received Jesus, immediately, I love it, began sharing Jesus with people. Began sharing Jesus with people. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to start there in verse 19 again. It says this. This is kind of like an overarching big picture verse. It says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Now remember, Saul, Christian bounty hunter, is all about destroying Christianity. He encounters Jesus face to face. Jesus changes him. He repents. He starts now following Jesus. This is the background. This is the context of these few verses here. And it's crazy to me that he begins, he's baptized, he turns his life around, begins preaching Jesus, and giving us an example to follow. This is really what he did. He gave us an example to follow. How to share your faith. And the first letter that I put up there for this week is the, and start with the S, is he started where he was comfortable. And for us, this, this makes sense. Yes, Paul eventually went all over the world, but he started sharing where he was comfortable. We, if we're going to share our faith, many of us never share our faith. Just saying, just being real here. Okay, Most of you, most of us do not share our faith. Okay, If we're going to do it, if we're going to start it, we're going to take up this habit, then we need to start where we're comfortable. That's what... Paul did. Look at what it says. It says that he began sharing in the synagogues. The synagogues is where his people were. That's where his friends were. This is where he was most comfortable. He grew up in the synagogues. These were like his people, his homies. Like this is, these are people that he could trust, people that knew about him, that he had the most in common with. He started sharing Jesus with the people that he could trust the most, that had, like, knew his back, like, they knew him. They trusted him. He trusted them. This was this back and forth, just a comfort level kind of situation. 
These were his friends. So if you're going to share your faith with people, I think one of the first things you ought to do is start sharing it with people that we're comfortable with. Like maybe your family. Or your friends. Like people that know you. People that are... They're not going to laugh at you. People that are going to... Like they've already seen in your life how God's changed you. And they're like, yeah, I get that. And you can say, listen, can I share with you why I've changed? Can I share with you? And they're going to be a lot... They're, they're for you, you know? Like sharing your faith with people that are for you really is going to help you start sharing your faith. Start sharing with people that you're comfortable with. Like people here at church that you know are for you. That's what Paul did. Then the H is hone. Do you guys know what that word means? Hone your God story. Hone is like to zero in on, to sharpen. To, and I had to have an H word, so I said hone, right? So hone your God story. Like sharpen it. Make, practice it. Make sure that you know what you would say to someone if you're going to share your faith with them. What, what would you actually say? And what do I mean by your God story? Like your Paul story. Like your Damascus Road story. How did you become a Christian? That's what I call my God story. Like how I became a Christian. You've heard me share my God story, I don't know, probably a hundred times here over the past four years. I share it all the time. And this is something that, that if you're going to share your faith with someone, you need to start figuring out what you would actually say. Instead of just go, oh, right? Like, like hone it down. Figure out what you would say. My God story is pretty quick. I'm going to give you a two-minute God story of mine. I was go, just like you. I was just going to church, doing it day in and day out. I would come in with my mom, my brother. We'd go to church and... I was just there religiously. I was just doing what I was told to do. Just kind of going. And I'd listen to the pastor and he'd kind of go in one ear and out the other. I knew about Jesus. I knew about God. But it really didn't change me. I knew that I needed to be forgiven of my sins. And I kind of said a prayer when I was younger, but it didn't make any effect on my life. It wasn't until my Damascus Road moment, like Paul, when my fiance, now a wife, came to me and said, we're not getting married because I'm not marrying a fake Christian. And that was, for me, that was like a life-changing moment. I realized that God had brought this awesome woman to me and He's taking her away because I was trying to fake everyone out. I wasn't a true Christian. It was, she was God's voice in that moment. I realized that I was about to lose everything and so I... I went to my pastor and I said, I've been lying to you for years. I want to really give my heart to Christ. I want to change. I want to... I've been coming here and haven't really done anything with what you've said. I want to start living for Jesus. I asked Jesus to forgive my sin and come into my heart and make me a new creation. And He did. He absolutely did. And I changed that day. And over the next couple of weeks and months, Lori saw that change and obviously we're married. So it all worked out in that end. But my life changed forever in that encounter with Jesus in my pastor's office a few years ago. Now, that's a God story. That's not a hard thing to say. Right? I mean, it's pretty simple. I don't know how long did that take me. A minute? Two minutes? You've heard me share many variations of that story, probably a hundred different variations of that story over the years. But if you're going to hone your God story down, you need to figure out, like, how would you share it? What would you say about it? 
And if we're going to do what it said in the previous point, start where we're most comfortable, this is probably the best place for you to share that story. Like, so I, like literally, I want to know, is, does anyone want to share? Anyone be willing to share their God story with us? I just shared mine with you. Like, give us two minutes of your time and share like how Christ came in your heart, how He changed you. Is anyone willing to share their God story here? This is, of all places, right? This should be where you're most comfortable sharing your story. Because if we can't share our story here, pretty sure we're not going to share it at Starbucks or, you know, wherever we're at. Come on, Amy, come on up here. Share it with us. I've got a microphone you're going to have to talk into. Thank you for stepping up. So you get like two minutes, okay? It's not long. Give us a two minutes sharing of your God story. It might be hard to sum it down into two Come minutes. on, you got two minutes. Let's do it. All right, then. Do your best. So, not going to lie. At one point in my life, I, wasn't, I did indeed contemplate suicide. I'd, I just grew tired of the actions of all, all the people of my generation just seeming maddening. And then somehow, I don't know why, my body just went autopilot. Okay. And next thing I know, someone who I really don't like just goes, hey, what are you doing? And somehow, like, what? Did the Lord just save me with someone when I hate? (laughs) That happens sometimes. What? I mean, there, there's no other way that I could explain that honestly. I mean, he shouldn't have even been there himself. But there he was. Honestly, I would want to thank Kim if I saw him again. Because I'm pretty sure that if he didn't show up, I would have just kept on walking straight outside over the balcony. So yeah, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and He can use any of us. He can use you even if you don't know you're being used. That's That's just His power. And that is why I have a firm, firm belief in Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? I mean, this is a great, like, to me, we just do this the rest of the message. You know what I mean? Like, hearing people's God story, to me, is, like, most important. If you're going to practice, if you're going to share with people that love, like, here, you're getting clapped, right? And people are, like, clapping, because that's, like, legit. Anyone else want to share your God story, like, how you came to faith? This is a perfect, yeah, Carrie, come here. Carrie, good job, Carrie. Kind of partial to her too because she's family. So, um, so pull that up a little higher. Here, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so you know, for me, it was a progression. It wasn't like there was one moment and it was one way one moment and one way the next moment. Um, I guess the big first moment was um, when God gave me Stephen, my firstborn, 
Um, before that, I was very deep in the drug world. And so I say he saved me that way. Um, and I was able to walk away from it completely. I know a lot of people aren't, so that was huge for me. Um, but God saved me in that moment and took me on a completely different path in life. And then when I lost my first husband, um, when he died in an accident, it was another moment of life changes and new paths. And I think it was at that time that I really um, saw and acknowledged what he had done for me. You know, in the moments, sometimes we miss them. Even when, you know, I had the birth of Stephen, at that moment I was 21. I wasn't really old enough to realize what he had done for me. And so after that, I realized um, kind of you can look back and see the path that he had put me on. And um, and now and then and throughout my current marriage and yeah, you just seeing him work every single day. And I think that sometimes our faith just gets stronger as we get older and we acknowledge what he's done for us and that most of it's not us. Most of it is really, truly um, him blessing us and us, you know, not taking that for granted. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. Anyone else want to share your... Yeah, come on, Sally. Like, to me, we just cut the rest of the message. Let's just hear people's stories, right? Because this is a great place to start sharing, practicing sharing your story. Turn so they can see your face. Yeah. Come on. What you got? Um, I don't really want to tell my God story right now because I really want to tell you. Okay, tell us another God uh, story. Then. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the gifts that God has given me is sewing. Um, every time you guys have gone on a, a missions trip to Rocky Point, Tim and I have got to go a few times. Lately, I, we can't be gone that long. Um, but I always get to send a quilt yeah. to the family who's getting a new house. Anyhow, and that just blesses me, and I know it blesses them, too, to receive that. Um, so at home, my mom has been saying, had been saying for a few months, I want a new bed, I want a new bed, I want a new bed. The bed is too lumpy. Well, I don't think there's any lumps in it. <laughs> I put a, a mattress topper on it. She still wasn't happy. Um, and I had mentioned that at... Amberly's Place thrift store. Mm. Well, the next day they called me up and they said, Sally, we have an adjustable with vibration Tempur-Pedic bed, which is a $4,000 bed. You can have it for 50 bucks. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Wow. Thanks, God. Okay. So he provided that. Well, we went and paid for the, the bed. I don't have twin-size bedding at my house, so Mom and I went to Walmart. We're in the bedding section, picking out new sheets, mattress covers, stuff for the bed. And there's this lady next to me looking at pillowcases. So she asked me, there's a swatch of uh, microfiber. She says, is this the same fabric? So I look at it. Yeah, I tell her it's the same fabric. And uh, personally, I don't like microfiber. After you wash it a few times, it's all mm-hmm. pills. And yeah. It's cheap junk. So I told her, oh. She says, well, I need some new pillowcases for my mom who's in the hospital. Okay. So I turn around, and I'm picking out, you know, 600-count Egyptian cotton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. She looks at the price, and she goes, no, 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 no. I can't afford that. So she's looking at the microfiber again, and I forgot. I 
jumped ahead of myself here. One day I was in my sewing room. Oh, you have too much fabric, Sally. What are you going to do with all this? And I picked up a piece, and I was like, oh, this is perfect for pillowcases. Okay, I don't need any more pillowcases. I don't want any more pillowcases. I don't know anybody who does need any pillowcases, but I made these pillowcases. And that had been two days before, okay. two or three. So the lady's going to buy these awful microfiber pillowcases telling me she does need some. She had said something about her kids needing uniforms. So I had already told her all about the uniform yeah. exchange. She says, oh, that's right where I live. She lives. You could probably see her house right back oh, there. Sweet. She was supposed to be here today, but I don't know what happened. So anyhow, I told her, don't buy those. I have some for you. Yeah. So she gave me her address, and I took her. Oh, I went home and took more out of my linen closet because I have too many pillowcases mm-hmm. and gave them to her. Anyhow, the point of the story is that over and over and over and over, there's so much more to tell you. God continually blesses me, blesses me, blesses me, blesses me. Sometimes I'm so amazed. I'm just like, God, I'm an old, fat woman, but you choose to use me. Um the uniform exchange, I've I've met some people in there, and we do the Jesus Calling on yeah. Monday afternoons, which is another long story. So um, if any of you are interested in coming, it's a short devor- devotional. We meet at 1.30. The uniform exchange opens at 2. Sometimes people come early, so um, we talk. We really talk. We laugh, we cry, we pray, we just love on each other, encourage one another. It's amazing. Awesome. I'm glad I serve. I'm glad you serve too. Yeah. You know if Sally's involved, you're going to laugh, cry, and pray. You know that. This is how it is. Anyone else? Okay, Lori, see? Come on up. You've got you to gotta talk on the mic so we can hear you online, though. So, um, this is Lori Cook. She's a Scorpio. She involves... No, I don't, I don't know what you are. December birthday. What are December birthdays? Sagittarius. Okay. Anyway. Well, I have one of those stories that Augie talked about a couple of weeks ago that is kind of boring, that I always said was oh. kind of one of those boring stories because I have I grew up in a Christian home. My parents, my mom was a Christian, my dad was a Christian, my both of my grandparents were Christians. One of those kinds of things. So it's a little bit boring. I was kind of a kind of one of those uh, kids that were that was a goody two shoes kids. But I can remember exactly when I asked Jesus into my heart. And I was 12 years old, and I was just got home from a softball game. I was a very into softball, and I just got home from a softball game. And you would think that I, from going to church every time the doors were open, I would have had G- asked Jesus into my heart when I was at, at church. However, it was not when I was at church. I had just got home from a softball game, and I was sitting on the couch, and I was watching, just happened to have the Billy Graham crusade on. Why that was on, I don't know. It was like 9.30 at night. But anyway, the Billy Graham crusade was on the TV. I had just walked in the door. 
they, it was just at the end of the sermon, and he was just talking about just giving the message about how we need Jesus in our heart. And if anybody wants Jesus in their hearts, all they have to do is just accept him and ask him to forgive their sins. And at that moment, when I was 12 years old, even though I had known it all of my life, I knew that that was my time. And at that moment, at 9.30, when I was 12 years old in my living room, I asked Jesus into my heart. Um, and it's something that I, was, I would always remember. Um, so even though I was um, a good girl, if you, if you know what I mean, my life didn't turn around. I mean, people wouldn't, probably wouldn't know that I had changed, but I knew that I had changed. My family knew that I had changed. And throughout my life, um, I've had, you know, trials and tribulations. I've been through a divorce. I've been associated with drugs, maybe not myself, but I've had drugs in my life. Um, So there's been several times that I've had to make difficult decisions. And I thought about this, and I thought, you know, there have been so many times in my life that I I could have gone that path. I could have been somebody completely different if I wouldn't have had Jesus in my heart. But God has been with me through every step of the way, and he's always been in my heart and in my soul, and he has always been there to support me in every decision that I made and every single time that there was a difficult decision, he was there to lead me and guide me and direct me in the right path. And I'm so thankful for that. So that's my God's story. Amen. Thank you. Well, who else? Who wants to share? Now, let's just keep going. Yeah? Mars? Yeah? Come on. Anyone else besides Mars? We're just going to cut the rest of the message. If you want to hear it, you know, you can meet me Tuesday, coffee, I don't know, buy me lunch. I'll give you the rest of my. I'd rather hear, I'd rather hear uh, testimonies like this, so... Are you eating on the way up here? Oh, can, do you need nourishment for this or something? Is it going to be move over this way so you're more in the center? There you oh, go. I need nourishment. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so you guys. I'm sorry. Let me quit chewing. That was kind of loud. Get over What's going here. on, guys? Oh, sorry. There you go. Yeah. So um, I think most of you all know my story. I think. When I got to tell my testimony a while back, I think most of you are here, but that obviously is is huge in my life. But I have kind of a, a story. I don't know if this is the right time to share about. Well, that. everyone's sharing everything, so just yeah. come on with it. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. Come so on with I have it. kind of a I have a God story about this this past weekend. So you guys watch those pictures and the slides up there. Um, basically, what's what happens when we get there uh, to Rocky Point? is we usually typically get there Friday and kind of mess around, go down and eat and, you know, enjoy ourselves, and then the real work starts Saturday. And Saturday morning we, we get together and um, on the job site, and Augie usually kind of gives instructions on what the day is going to hold and what to look for, what to do, so on and so forth. And Caitlin leads stretch, and mm-hmm. Augie, Augie farts like four times while we stretch, so. Anybody that hasn't gone, don't stand behind this guy when we're stretching. <laughs> we'll cut that out of the okay. online version. Anyway, 
then we get to meet the, the 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 part that really hits me is at that point kind of get to meet the the family you know the family that you're building for and at that point the relationship for me and it's like this every time I go um, the relationship for me it consists of hi how are you my name is Mars we don't speak the same language so she's trying to understand what I'm saying and I'm trying to understand what she's saying and that's basically the relationship that day hi my name is Mars and she tells me her name or he tells me his name and that's about it at that point so the day goes on and we, we, we do concrete and everybody starts mixing concrete and we get the pad done, and during that period, maybe we talk a little bit more. You know, maybe me and the family talk a little bit more, or I get to talk a little bit more with a family that I don't know, you know. And time goes on, and then we, we frame the walls. Keith will lay out the walls, and we'll frame the walls, and we'll set them aside, and I'll finish the pad, and whoever's helping me will finish the pad. And that day's pretty much over, but throughout the length of that day, I've had three or four conversations with, People maybe I didn't know, you know what I mean, or the family that we're building for that originally I just said, hi, my name is Mars, right? So that day's over. We come the next day. We stand the walls. We put the roof on. Um, we do a roof coating. We start the stucco. We do all that. During the period of that day, my conversations are, are continuing because it's not just about the work, you know what I mean? Remember when I first met this lady, all I knew to tell her was, my name, and all she needed to tell me was her name. And by the end of that day, um, we're usually laughing and giggling with each other, you know, and the other families that I got to, to meet that I never knew before, we're laughing and giggling and having a good time and doing our thing and living life together. It's crazy. And then, so by the morning of the next day, you go and you put the roof on, you do the final coat. And then, a truly, I guess, astonishing thing happens when you're done with the house totally and you get to do the dedication. It kind of hits home. The whole time you were there, what you were really doing, yeah, you're building a house, but you're really building a relationship, right? And it really hits home because by the time that house is built and by the time that we do the dedication and, and this last time, Augie said, anybody want to pray? And I, you know, God jumped on me and I did it because I just, I wanted to pray over this family that I now knew, you know, pretty good. I got to, I got to know a lot of things about her. I got to know that during the build, and I don't know how far behind that, her and her family, her couple kids slept in a little box, that, that little makeshift box out of plywood, a little mattress about that big. And the sacrifice that really goes on down there, but I got to I got to know that because of the relationship that was built over time. And uh, I guess it kind of solidifies in my mind the God moment that I had as I was praying, and I could barely get through the, like the beginning of the prayer. I wanted to cry so bad it was hard for me, and it's always that way. And what it did for me, and what God showed me that day was that that's church, right? That's what we're doing here. That's what we're attempting to do by going out there. And, you know, I guess that's that, that's, that was my God moment during that trip, was that 
you know, it's about the relationship, and the, the relationship can just start by, hi, my name is Mars, you know, and by by us going to to people and us experiencing people out of our comfort zone, we get to learn each other, and it's amazing what happens, you know what I mean? It's absolutely amazing what happens, so that was my God moment during that Perfect. deal. Thank you. Okay, so because we're, like, way behind, uh, here's what I'm going to do, okay? So get your pens, those of you that are note takers, I'm going to run through this. So we got, start where you're comfortable. That's what we're doing here. Practicing with people that we're comfortable with. Practicing talking about spiritual things. I was talking about sharing your test, like how you became a believer in Jesus, why that happened, whatever. Um, But start here, which is what we're doing. Hone it down. Figure out what you're going to say about Jesus. How are you going to share that God story? And then the, the, the third letter is anticipated opposition. We're not going to get on this. Realize that there are going to be people that don't want to hear it. Okay? Be ready for that. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, be ready to give an account for those that ask you about your faith. So be ready. Okay? And then four is rely on God's Holy Spirit. Rely on God's power. If you're going to share your faith with someone, it's not just you doing it. You need to be relying on God for His words, His power, uh, His love flowing through you. We, we looked at, it says that, you know, Paul's message and his preaching became more and more powerful as the Holy Spirit came upon him. Remember, a few weeks ago we looked at that Ananias went and prayed over him and the Holy Spirit fell on Paul. And then the last thing is equip yourself. And this is what I want to just close with. You can't just show up somewhere. You say, okay, I'm going to rely on God and stand there and expect to talk to someone without opening your mouth. Right? You can't just say, I'm going to be God's puppet and He's going to speak through me. You actually have to what? You have to say something. Right? You have to go over to that person. You have to call your neighbor. Whoever it is that you're going to share your faith with, you have to take a step towards them. And so what I mean by equip yourself is train yourself on what you're going to say. Some of you would never, there's no way, I couldn't pay you enough money in the world for you to get up here right now and share your story because you're so afraid of speaking in public, and that's okay. If that's you, I want you to come Tuesday. Tuesday night, here at 6 o'clock, we're training, henna tattoo training. And this is, this is the deal with henna. The International Mission Board has been using this for years uh, in, in Africa and uh, the Far East. Henna is a, is a tool that they use in weddings and cult, all these different cultural things. Christians have now used the concept of henna tattoos to share the gospel with people. And so what we're going to do on Tuesday is Autumn Thompson, who was an International Mission Board missionary in a faraway place I can't talk about, she trains people how to do henna tattoos and share the gospel through that tattoo. Like, I don't know if it looks like that. That's just some random picture I got. But, you know, you're, you're, you're drawing a henna tattoo on someone, sharing the gospel with them. We're doing that training. Maybe you say, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't, my faith, my faith. Come Tuesday. You can learn how to share the gospel through a tattoo. Okay? Or come the next Tuesdays after that, we're going to start our three circles training on Tuesdays. This is going to be in place of Connect Group. Tuesdays. After this Tuesday, we're going to do three circles training. Remember we did that on Sundays? Talk about how to talk about the gospel, the circle of of the gospel and brokenness and God's plan and all that stuff. We're going to train you how to share your testimony. I know some of you are like, it's not natural for me. I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert too. Okay? 
So we're going to train together on how to share our faith with this community. And then, of course, next week, we have our first Engage event. You want a place to share your faith? We'll share it next week at Bernice's house. We're going to meet here at 10 o'clock next week. Meet here at 10. We're going to load up the trailer with our stuff. We're going to head on over to her house. And we're going to have an event. What's it going to look like? I have no idea. Right? No clue yet. We're going to figure it out when we get there. We're going to have some roasted corn. Thank you to Luis and Maria back there. It's awesome. Yes, I love it. Roasted corn. We're going to have some games. We're going to have a gospel henna tattoos. We're going to see who shows up. We're going to hit the neighborhood this week and put up signs and hand out flyers to moms and kids and stuff like that. We're going to, we're going to see what God does. We're going to do like what Mars is saying. Just show up somewhere and start building relationships in the neighborhood. And you're going to have an opportunity to share your faith. And so I want for us to train on Tuesdays on what you would actually say to someone. Okay, I'm sorry we went so long, but for me, I would much rather hear the testimonies than the message. So anyway, um, those of you that are helping, 